I'm so excited and I just can't hide it. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I want you. I want you. I love it. it. Yes, yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thank you very much, oh, Val. Nice. That was amazing. Carlito. Manny. We've got another podcast. Manny, do you go to the racetrack? <laughs> what do you mean? Why are you asking? You always say, and here we go. Oh, here we go. No, I don't go to ponies. We've got a very special guest at the very end of the table. Way, way at the end of the table, right? We have Val Ratch. Yes. And you're from Safety Val, yes. which is at Safety Val on Instagram. Yes. And you are all about, I'm Promoting guessing. Promoting health and safety. Health and safety on the construction job site. Right. Okay. So this is going to be an interesting dun, 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 conversation. Dun. <laughs> We've actually been very excited about this one since you contacted me. And I was like telling Carlito and Carlito was like, that's amazing. We want to get this going and talk about it. Before we begin, I want to actually talk a little bit about workplace safety in Canada. In 2017, can you take a guess on how many fatalities they were across mm. Canada? I'm going to guess 26. 951. Wow. Nine, that was 2017. 951. And then there was... Canada. <laughs> that was up from two, uh, 904 in 2016, a year earlier. And then 2015, it was 852. In three years, it's been rising. Yeah. I don't know what 2018, 2019, and we don't know what's going on for 2020 right now. Is that private or commercial and private? It just says just workplace fatalities across the board is what it's saying, right? Uh, here's an interesting stat. 23 <laughs> young workers age 15 to 24 died in that 2017 group wow that's terrible that's horrifying yeah to hear that right other than that the unfortunate thing is the next segment 60 or 56 percent of them were uh workers over the age of 64 wow so these are scary numbers, right? And then you're looking at lost uh time claims of over 250,000 there's a lot to talk about here and we want to get right into it. So we're going to get over to you, Val, and we want you to introduce yourself and where you come from and how long you've been in the business. What's it like to be a woman in construction too? That's another right. little thing to talk about. All about you. Okay. So uh, I started uh, in 2001, about 18 years ago, got my first job and it was um, a consulting company that did a little bit of construction, a, did a little bit of commercial, but he also did different things completely aside from construction. So I went for the job, I got it, and he said, you might be on the sites just a little bit. And on my first day, I was on the construction site and I didn't leave. So I've been- <laughs> Commercial yeah, site? There was Construction, I started in low-rise residential. Low-rise. Yeah, I've done high-rise and commercial, but I am on the low-rise residential end a lot. Where's the low-rise cutoff? What, how many floors? Oh, I'm gonna say maybe three, four. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I was just curious. I didn't know. No, you're right. Uh, yeah. Now they're going up to four floors. Is that what it is for low rise? Houses, After yeah. that, it becomes a high rise. I don't know. I <laughs> need to look into that. That's a good question, Manny. This is all about questions and answers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And now, so, so you loved it? Oh, yeah. No, I loved it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It yeah. Was that union? No. Um, it was, well, it was private? union and non-union. No, okay. this was a private consulting firm. Really interesting today, actually, I was doing a little training session and I was telling the workers, you know, we have a certain culture in construction where we have to show we know it all, right? Yep. I remember, uh, you know, the first week in the job, I was taken to an excavation. The site super's like, okay, Val, how does it look? And I'm thinking, I have no idea what I'm looking at. But at that time, you know, you don't really, you can't show that you don't know. And that was my little story about showing workers that they really need to ask questions when you don't know. 
even though we have that pressure to know everything and give answers, if you do have a question, just ask. Yeah. Which is always great. Yeah. I've always done that in both industries. There's also a problem though with asking. If you ask too Why? many times, a lot of people are frustrated and, and most people need to stop. No, not, hang on a sec. If you're asking the same question over and over, then that's I, frustration. I don't, I don't think anyone should get frustrated. My point is... I would. If someone's asking you 10 times, at least they're asking. Same question? Some people learn slower. Okay. Some people aren't confident and they need they need patience. That was Carlito, not Manny. There's a, there's a lot of things I've done in my life and I ask a lot of questions <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> when I talk to workers, you know, I encourage the workers to call their supervisors like 10 times a day. And the supervisors say, if, if I'm getting those calls, I'm going to turn off my phone. But they say it in joking. In reality, nobody wants an accident to happen on their site. So I think more and more supervisors and owners are open to getting all these phone calls and questions. First day that you were on site, first time on site, what are the same mistakes that these guys are doing and girls? I think if I had to say one thing, it's that thing about fitting in. You know, so if you see that, you know, a, a supervisor or an owner's not really wearing his hard hat, then a young worker's gonna, they're not gonna wear it either. That kind of thing. Led by example. Right. Comes to mind is this whole COVID-19 thing that's happening right now. And a lot of us are pressured to wear, you know, gloves and masks. And then I go to a job site, but there's still guys not wearing it. I, I know. So, why? Why? So I think if we can't even get, you know, the workers to wear their stuff now, how are we going to get these guys to wear it? I can answer a couple of those questions. I really believe that masks or glasses aren't designed well enough yet, and they create more of a problem. Even though they're there for your safety, you put a P100 paper mask on and you have your glasses on, what's the first thing that happens? Your glasses fog up. You can't see. You're working, you're hot, it's cold out. And you can't see. So then you start pulling your mask off. Then you can't handle anymore. You tear it off. And now you're allowing for your lungs to be infected with all kinds of right. silica, formicula, whatever it may be, right? Right. So, Aren't we learning from this whole experience that's going on right now that the half face masks are not really ideal for anybody in construction and the full face masks are ideal and you won't get that fogging effect? They are, but... They They're need more to, expensive. I really, truly believe as a construction constru worker, because I've, I've worn all of them and I still do wear my masks, obviously. It's hard to work so sweaty and hot. And, you know, you just need to really get used to it and adapt to it and, and just deal with it. Like when I go to work, I expect to be completely soaked and saturated in sweat. I've accepted that. A lot of people don't like to get hot, cool down, hot, cool down, clean their masks all the time. So a lot of guys are just throwing them to the side, right? I agree with you with the full face mask. That's what I would want to wear. So what, what I do is I cover my, my face, but I'm also wearing some of my sunglasses, regardless if I'm inside. I'm always paranoid about something coming into my eyes as well. I think a, a full face mask would be great. It makes sense. I just, I just think it makes sense today. It does. I think there's also another problem with full masks. They don't have the proper packaging. Sometimes they give these little bags and you can put your full face mask in them. It's not protected. Like you throw in the back of your truck, you throw in the back of your trunk. Okay, so are these contractors two-year-olds and they need mommy to take care of these little things? Uh, listen, or you're working, four, you're working 14 hours a day or even 12 hours a day. You just don't put your stuff away properly. Do you hop into you your vehicle wash. and put your seatbelt on or no? Some guys don't, Manny. I just really want to address the, the, the problems that are, are happening and how we can change them, right? What do you think, Val, that the reason is that these guys are not... 
putting their mask or keeping their, I mean, do you have a, do we still have a problem with hard hats? Do we still have a problem? No, we don't have a problem with safety boots, do we? Not safety boots. I still see an issue with hard hats, especially in the summer when it gets hot, especially with workers that are working inside a house. They don't want to wear their hard hat, but the law says they have to wear it. Painters. Painters. Well, that's another thing. How many guys bring safety boots to the job, then remove their boots and put their slippers on, their papuche, or they put on a pair of running shoes so they can walk around the, the homeowner's house without the safety boots on? Yeah, the workers do do that. So when it comes to ministry of labor, because that's what workers always ask me, okay, well, what's the ministry going to say? Well, my advice is just follow what the law says, which is zero tolerance. But I think that if you're actually, you actually have the boots in the house, instead of keeping them inside the car, it shows an intention. It shows that you know, and it shows that you care. But I don't want to ruin, you know, carpet that was just been placed. So well, that gets into covering yeah. and budgets of, right. of contractors putting in the proper budget to cover those carpets or remove those carpets. For example, today I was, I was working outside. There was some trenching going on and I had washed sand collapse into the hole I saw a surveyor and he was standing on a piece of plywood and there was a five foot opening underneath that piece of plywood it was a three-quarter piece of plywood I just walked up to him and I said hey man I just want you to know that one of my best friend's brothers fell through a piece of plywood and died so just do me a favor if you see that kind of obstacle go around it please because at this site I don't want you to walk on plywood they did that just to cover it up it's not for you to walk on. 40 minutes later, I look over and a dump truck's being filled with soil and he doesn't have his helmet on and he's like three feet away. Yeah. And because he thinks he's a surveyor, he's not a construction worker. I walk up to him and I said, hey, buddy, honestly, you got to get off the site if you don't put the helmet on. That guy's dumping with a backhoe dirt into that dump truck. A rock could fall out of there, roll and smash your skull. And guess what's going to happen? We're going to get sued. Either put it on or get out. And then he just took off. Didn't want to see me. When, I, when you're telling me that story, I'm thinking, okay, there's something not working with the supervi supervision in that sense. For example, well, his supervisor is not, you know, teaching him. It's not that his supervisor actually has to be there and, you know, give him a hard time. He should know that he's got to have it on. That's right. Right? Was so, this a young guy? You know, he was probably in his 40s. Okay, so he should know better. I want to say he's a young guy because I'm 48. No, I'm not going to pick on <laughs> the young guys. Because I or think, 21. <laughs> I, I think anybody that's above the age of 20, you're on a job site, you should know better. You should, but, you, you know, I think that's why implementing penalties to get everyone on the same page is mandatory. That's interesting, Val, because the idea is that, listen, I've gotten a speeding ticket before, and I've been, you know, in my youth had to pay for it. Now I'm a little smarter, legally speaking, so I don't get speeding tickets, but that didn't discourage me from speeding. If I'm getting fined on a job site, is that really discouraging the people from wearing it? My belief is that it does help. If workers are getting fined, it does help. Not that I like that, because I don't like any worker getting a fine. And that's why the fines have increased and they're so high now. It's because workers are still getting hurt. What is the fine for not having a helmet on? The hard hat, I'm not sure of the exact fine, but I know what a maximum fine would be for a worker, which could go up to 25, uh, sorry, 100,000 and one year in jail. For not having a hard hat? Technically, yes. There is a set fine for like hard hat, safety boots, fall protection. Yeah, it's but, 250 on your first fine. Okay. But in the green book, a maximum fine for a worker could be up to 100000 and one year in jail. 
And to a company owner, doesn't matter if your company is really big or one man company, the fine is $1.5 million and one year in jail for one offense. Well, yeah, that'll uh, make but, me stop sweating. Okay, but I, I think I think what she's saying, you need to kind of really pay attention to it. It's that's put there in case someone really never paid attention to the law and someone got hurt really bad and they want to make a point to that person. I know many guys on union sites or off union sites, uh, cookie cutter projects or single dwelling homes. Inspectors come in, they say, "Hey, where's your helmet?" Put it on. Next time I see you, you're getting a ticket. And the next time you don't have it, you're going to get that ticket. And then it's going to escalate. But the worst part about it is, is it never leaves your record. It will always be on. Like I have a CVOR for my truck and every speeding ticket I get, any accident, it's for life with me. It's not three or seven years. It's for life. And when they overview you, when a serious accident happens, it's like a criminal record. They say, oh, well, you've had 10 offenses. We're not going to be lenient on you. We're going to give you the hundred thousand on that helmet now. Right. So that's why I think it's put into like people are like hundred thousand. That doesn't make any sense. Why is that so crazy? But it's really not. It's for it's for offenders that haven't learned. That would um, be for a fatality, for example. Yeah. yeah. Who's doing really well across Canada and who's not doing well regarding safety? Am I fair to assume Ontario is the worst? Oh, I'm not sure if we had to compare. I know just from the training and what people tell me about training, like the quality of the training that the workers are getting, I know that Alberta is really good. Like the training is really good. Wow. And also Quebec is really good training as well. So a lot of workers from Alberta and Quebec have come to Ontario. They want to get working at Heights training and they have their card from their province, but they need to still get ours from Ontario. I know that they have a good quality training. They've received good training, but it's still not valid here. That's all I know regarding. Why that. is it not valid here? Because National we're Billing Ontario. Code? We have to follow the, uh, the Health and Safety Act. That's Ontario. What's different between the two, the provinces regarding safety, health and safety? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, don't I can't imagine there'd be that dramatically different to the point, or is it just because of. I also think like she mentioned Alberta and I'm kind of surprised that they're so well trained, but then it makes sense because I, I look at it and I think, oh, you know, oil rigs and pipelines and so many dangerous jobs. But I think because they have so many dangerous jobs, they really want to make sure no one gets hurt and everyone goes home. That really makes sense. And maybe here they don't think there's a lot of danger in the city or in Ontario, but there are like every job is dangerous. I used to always say that whenever I walked over a a manhole. Well, what do they call them now? Maintenance hole. You know, I have to call it a manhole. In one I know. Maintenance yeah. hole. I'm sorry. Maintenance hole, right? It, it actually says danger on it, right? And that's one letter away from anger. Yeah. Nobody ever wants to be angry. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it like working with the Ministry of Labor? Okay. So I see the Ministry of Labor when they come to a job site and they're on the verge of shutting it down and I get a call from the contractor. So I have the, I have the contract with the builder, for example. So I'll rush over to the site and everyone is all nervous, obviously. Of course. Uh, everyone's kind of rushing around, looking for the paperwork. What I'm used to is they, they kind of teach me each time. They're always showing me something. Sometimes, you know, I'm a little scared myself because their pressure, they, I don't know how to explain it, but... Well, they're the government. Yeah. So <laughs> I am always aware that I also could get a fine potentially, right? Because I'm on the job site. So I'm always, you know, very uh, aware of what I'm doing, what I'm wearing 
in terms of my boots. Do I have my, my vest on for this one or things like that? No, I have a good experience with the, with the Ministry of Labor. Yeah. I've always said the younger guys or anybody, I've always said, listen, respect, man. It's really simple. You don't have to, if you see a white hat come onto the job site, you're automatically going to assume inspector, Ministry of Labor, possibly. Don't all of a sudden get your guard up and be defensive and, you know, be negative about it. Don't like they are people, too. So if you show them a little bit of respect, then they'll probably do the same in return. And then it's a conversation at that point instead of a fine. We're talking about money, like money, 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 money. That's all everyone thinks about. Uh, they're going to pay a fine. You're going to have to pay some kind of money. Really, you don't have to. If you educate yourself, you get your certificates. You have a job box with all your information of your guys, your company, and the products you're using, which you're by law, you should have on a job site. So you're supposed to have a tailgate meeting every single morning or with the trades that haven't been there in the morning, you still have to have a tailgate meeting with them. You have to pull them to the side for five minutes, talk about the nearest hospital, talk about the potential hazards on the job, the weather, and so on. You get them to sign off, and everyone's educated and aware of what's happening there for the day. It's not about money. It's about going home to your family or the loved ones and not being hurt or being a number. Right. That's what people don't get. Like people want to avoid it. They want to fight it. They want to hate it. But if they just played along, there's rules there. And if you follow the rules, you're going to win. And I want to add to that. Also, if you're not doing the, the documentation that you're supposed to be doing, and then you do end up getting fined, then it, you could ruin a business. Safety is, is so important for so many different things. Totally. I agree with you. You can. A business can get shut down and all of a sudden it's done. Right. And construction is, is amazing. So when I do my training, I kind of scare the, the companies and the workers because of these crazy fines. But at the same time, I tell them this business is amazing. Like we can all do so well in it. It's such a great environment. We're outdoors. You know, we kind of are our own bosses at the same time. So it's such a good business to be in, but we have to be safe and we have to try our best. So have your training, have your documentation, wear your PPE, be a nice person and everything will be okay. And, and say that, I don't think a lot of people know this, but if you already have your own business, this is a write-off. You're paying for something that you can write off on your taxes. So it's not costing you money to be educated and safe. Spend 500 bucks, you'll take that off your taxes. And Can you walk us through that? So companies will call you to come to their business. I guess you're having a boardroom meeting at that point, or you're having an on-site meeting, and you're just walking everybody that works for that company through health and safety? If I'm hired by a builder, let's just say, and I'll get to their job site and I'll walk every house. So I'm walking the site looking for, you know, just to make sure everything's clean, looking to see if any guardrails are missing, anyone's not wearing their PPE. And if I see that someone's not wearing their PPE, I stop them right away. Always talking to workers constantly. Oh, you're missing a guardrail. Oh, can you put it on right now? You know, things like that. I really feel that by the time I'm done my walk, that the site is a little better. Also, when I'm done, I do, I write the inspection report. So that's part of the documentation. Because by law, in the Green Book, it says that supervisors have to do a weekly inspection. Weekly? Weekly. It's in the Green Book. I always tell the supervisors that I see, just write, your, write a little note. Like, I usually write one page. But even if you just write a paragraph of what you see, and you just keep it in a little black book, you're good. There's some builders I've worked for for over 10 years. Nothing has happened on their site. So they're kind of like, well, 
why do I hire you <laughs> mm-hmm. to come every week? And I say, well, because one day, hopefully nothing ever happens, but if one day something does happen, we go to court and we have a stack of paper. And that's how you show due diligence, because that's what you have to show in court. When you go to court and say, yeah, I care about safety. I have, you know, safety barbecues. I have, I got my guys hard hats. I bought them t-shirts. Like, what's the judge going to say? Is that doing your due diligence? No. No. Due diligence is, I have a health and safety manual. All of my workers have read the manual and signed that they're going to follow the manual. I've trained all my workers. The required training to work in construction for everybody is working at heights, women's, and health and safety awareness. You know, the four-step for workers, five-step for supervisors. Now, if you touch any machinery, you need additional instruction and training. I have cards training for all my workers. I do weekly inspections. I do daily toolbox talks. Uh, We have a joint health and safety committee. And on top of that, I issue disciplinary action. I actually send my workers home when they come to work hungover, for example. I will send them home. And I have it documented. Like, ministry loves that. That brings up a really good point. I'm loving everything you're saying, Val. Is weed a problem these days? 100%. Thank you. 100%. So this policy is called fit for work. So it's not that you're fit like you're buff <laughs> to work. It's you're fit. You're in, you're in a good mental state. You know, you're not hungover. You're not high. You're not drunk. What if they carry it well? I they know. They can hide it. But we know. Well, you know. we do know, but I, 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 but know I think it's more serious than that. It's great that you want to get hired drunk at work. But Why the are you prob- pointing at me, man? Not you, because <laughs> you don't. But what's worse is that you're actually in jeopardizing my life yeah. and the people that I work with around me because you're deciding that it's okay for you to do that and you're not going to be alert. What is the rule again now that they just passed? If technically, if you smoke a joint in Ontario, is it Ontario or is it Toronto? No, it's Ontario. You can't go to work for 28 days. Is that right? Oh, I'm not sure what the law says. I thought it was something like that. You I can't... never knew that. No, there's, there's I a date. I haven't heard that yet. There's a, you can actually, because it's legal. These are all new things that are yeah, changing right now. But it's now. legal to smoke marijuana in Ontario, in Canada, right? But you can't go to work for a period of time. It has to get out of your system. I don't know if it's 28 days. Well, you're days. still intoxicated. Yeah. So, But guys go to work the very next day. That's the problem. And there's not a time on intoxication. Oh, I smoked an hour ago. I'm okay. Have you seen a rise, Val? Oh, yes. You can just tell, like I was telling you, you can just tell, number one, but you can also smell it. Oh. Right? So I'll just give you an example. You know, I went up to a worker and said, and I know the guy, so I'm like, I can smell it on you. And he's like, oh, it's my brother's jacket. You know, I was, he went out last, so it's like these excuses, <laughs> you know, or, or when someone's drinking, you can smell it. We all know who our drinkers and who are the smokers are on site. But that also tells the owner of the company that there's people in his business that have some problems. Mm-hmm. Like they're carrying, they're carrying problems. Mm-hmm. Come on, if, you, if you're drinking and you still smell like booze in the morning, that's a serious problem. Yeah, so you shouldn't be on the job site is my argument. I know, but I mean... It goes back to you, what you said you earlier. Sh- if you show up and you stink like booze... Go home. You have a bigger problem... Go and, home. and someone needs to make you aware. So someone like you coming up to them and saying, and not just being nice about it, saying, listen, I need to send you home right now because you are a threat to everyone on this job site. Right. And another thing too is ministry could come if you don't do your job properly and shut that whole job. Now we have 500 guys not working. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to the other 500 guys? Right. No, 
But also if a worker comes to work drunk and gets hurt, Orman for that trade is responsible. Wow. Anybody else responsible? Like oh, the everybody. The, the, so first it'll go start with the foreman, then the owner of that trade, then the site supervisor, then the owner of the builder. Goes up the ladder. So I think more and more that, you know, supervisors and companies are being trained. They're aware of their responsibilities. Foremen are taking it serious. I've seen it. Uh, where workers are coming, you know, after a weekend, they're not well. And the foreman says to them, you know what, go home for the day, come back tomorrow, because if this guy gets hurt, he's not going to go to jail for him. That's what they say. Yeah. yeah, but the problem is people make friends and they become close when you work with each other every single day, you kind of unwind and, you know, you become family. And sometimes it's hard to do that, but you are right. The company is paying for their supervisors to take the liability away from them. So they have even a bigger responsibility to make sure that their best friends or guys are not going to hurt anyone else. It's kind of scary, actually. Yeah, there's some family members that I don't want to be around. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I'm just saying it. I I treat it black and white. I treat it really simple. If a guy's on the site and I smell or I know, go home. I don't care about your mental status. I don't care about your state. I don't care about your personal. I don't tell you about my personal problems. I handle my personal problems. So then when I'm on the job site, I'm there because I know I need to fulfill a duty on the job site. If I don't care about that job site or my duty or about the work or the people that I work with, then I'll go drinking, smoking, do whatever I want, show up the next day and don't care. But that's not right. I don't care what's going on in your personal life. Deal with it first, then get on the job site. Well, you should just come to work to work hard and yes. go home. Yes, I completely you agree. Shouldn't, you shouldn't really have too much time to talk at work. That's a different podcast. Um, <laughs> so Val, so you do this for a lot of companies. So have, yes. like, can I ask you, have you done it? Because I want to pick on the trades that are the least... <laughs> Have I love you, you all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know the ones I'm talking like the painters, the finishing guys, you know, those guys, right? <laughs> they hardly ever wear their safety boots. Okay, yeah, yeah. I want to pick on those guys. Have okay. have they reached out to you and asked you to kind of educate them and teach them on what they do and what they should do? I've done a lot of training for painters. Are you a painter? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so cool. So it's one of the trades. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I've done a lot of work for painting companies. Also, they have a lot of Latin American workers. So I do the training in Spanish. Perfect. Yeah. It's great. Oh, Um, you do bilingual training. Yeah. Any other language? So I do it in Spanish for the Spanish speaking, Italian and Portuguese. Wow. And not Croatian. (laughs) That's so funny. That's amazing. I love it. You know what? With the Portuguese and Italian, I don't speak those languages. But you, you know do what? with your fingers. Yeah, very you know, it's like <laughs> if this yeah. was a video right now, you could see her fingers. She's Italian. <laughs> we make it happen. You know, I make it happen. I know I'm getting to that guy. Well, what I like about yeah. that is that people can't say I don't speak English. I don't understand. That excuse can't be used anymore. But there are people that really mean that they can't understand, and they do need someone like you to be able to open their eyes and, and see potential hazards that they can avoid. We did a podcast with uh, NextGen and she does a lot of placement, job placement. And we found out that across Canada, uh, the workforce is 3% women. I was really disappointed about that. Yeah. Are women better at going along with the rules than men? I'm just assuming they are. 
I think so. I'm going to assume they are too. How many women have you come across? <laughs> uh, over the last 18 years. Yeah. Uh, maybe 20. Wow. <laughs> that's so like that's Well, you sad. have to be a tough cookie. You're you're smiling and you're being fun right now, but yeah, I can just yeah. imagine that at work with 20 guys like me, you have to be strong. <laughs> like you have to get their attention that you're not a pushover. Right. So you have it to be comes a really with experience, I think. Yeah. So when I first started, you know, I wasn't very, you know, confident in what I was saying. I mean, over the years now, I'm confident in what I'm talking about. I know it you know, to, to work in construction, there's a certain way we are. And it's so hard to explain. Do you know what I mean? Like to be a construction I, I, worker, it's yeah, like we're totally. a certain way. And when you talk to, you just know, okay, we're one of, you know, we're family. Yeah. We know. It's, there's, there's this culture that we have in construction. But no, at the beginning, for sure, I got a lot of pushback. A lot of pushback. From the cavemen. From ca yes. The older guys? I call them the cavemen. It, yeah, I would say it started with the older guys and then, yeah. Because uh, we were talking about drinking there. My father would take sh at least six shots of Shlivovitska before he'd leave his house. <laughs> he's retired. So Thank God he's retired right now. And a lot of things have changed because, you know, what he didn't realize is he thought because he didn't brush his teeth and he drank Shlivovitska, it would kill all the bacteria in his blood. And by the way, he has a perfect set of teeth. Yeah. Um, you know, that's old school mentality you know he was driving drunk yeah he was coming to work drunk yeah he was coming to work with a bad attitude he thought everything was fine yeah that's dangerous that old school attitude is like safety is so annoying safety is just such a waste of time like why do i have to be at this stupid meeting who's paying me for this you know what i'm talking about yeah. people don't really like that anymore like safety i think has evolved on the sites actually i'm pretty proud of it like i, think I it's have gotten better. i have a job box i have a fire extinguisher i have an eye wash i have two safety uh, uh boxes one large one to keep the ministry happy and then a small one with little band-aids and stuff for the guys that get a little piece of metal in their finger or something you know they're like oh can i have a band-aid and i'm like yeah no problem it's in the little one <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the best part about it is actually i'm actually really proud and I look forward to an inspector coming on my job site, or I look forward to the ministry coming in. When they see how well I'm set up, they just kind of look at me differently. They're like, okay, you know what? This guy does pay attention. And they're like stickers to me. I like showing my badges and saying, hey, this is what I know. I'm aware. I know I care. And then they all treat me differently. The inspectors treat me differently. The ministry treats me differently. In some weird way, I get away with a little bit more only because they realize I'm paying attention. Not that I'm getting away with anything because I'm, I'm trying to prove to them that I'm a good guy. And right. once you build that reputation or that rapport, then you don't have any problems, right? Mm -hmm. Or most guys are hiding or, you know, hey, inspector, guys, put your helmets on. Locked yeah, I left it in the car. <laughs> Where's your glasses? And you're working with big companies, but... What do we do about, can we talk about the, the little guys? Yes. I'm a little guy. So I have a business and sometimes I sub and sometimes I bring my friends to work or sometimes I try to have an employee and I'm a small business. So one, two, three guys, sometimes top four, two or three trades at the job site at one time. Can we start from the beginning? What do you have to have? And what are the fines for each part if you don't have them? Okay, so a company with five or more workers should have a health and safety manual. Okay. I'm pretty sure the green book says five or more, you need a health and safety manual. Okay, okay. it's very important. So if you're at four, you should start thinking about it. 
about, I think I need to get a manual. Now, if you're at like six, you have to get it yesterday. Where does one get a manual? Oh, you, so you either make it yourself or you hire a consultant to make it for you. Like you. <laughs> no, which is perfect. Because I'd rather hire you the, to make it. I, I thought it was mandatory that even if you were in business for yourself, you still had to have the green book. So, oh, you mean the health and safety manual? That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. That's different. I used, to okay. t- I used to tell people that, like, even if you have two workers, have a health and safety manual, regardless of what the law says. So, a health and safety manual is your company's dedication to safety. It's a 50-page manual full of policies for your company. Okay, and because technically, if you don't have a manual, what are your workers following? Something they're not wearing their hard hat. Well, what does your manual say it? So that's the bare minimum because you want to have your due diligence. So we're encouraging everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a one man, two man, have a health and safety manual. Right. We're planting seeds here for everybody. For sure. (laughs) Is it mandatory to have a job box on site? Toolbox tail, oh, Yes. So you have to have, the law says it's the Joint Health and Safety Committee meetings that you have to have when you have more than 20 workers on a job site. The toolbox talks, we recommend, I don't know exactly what the green book says, but I recommend at least once a month, at least. Once a month? At least. We do I mean, it daily. That's amazing. Amazing. There's companies that don't want, even want to do them, right? So once a month, then I say at least once a week. Daily would be the best. Well, daily only makes sense because within a month, I've already done my waterproofing. I've already framed. I've already done some construction, like some structural. Do you document these meetings? Yes. Uh, Okay. I make everyone sign off on it. Okay, great. And even if I don't tell them when they sign their name, I tell them, listen, guys, you need to read that before you sign. That's the whole point is that you understand what's happening today. But you job. want these guys to do this on a monthly? Weekly. I would say weekly. Weekly. Daily's weekly. a little aggressive. No, daily's perfect. Because you know what? Another thing, Manny, is can you imagine you have two, two guys working and three trades? And now I'm on the phone outside in the car with my speaker, loudspeaker, so all the neighbors can hear me arguing with other trades. They now know what's happening for the day. They know the schedule for the day. They know I'm going to argue weekly because I'm going to pretend that I'm a GC, which I am. And I'm going to say guys arrive on the site and Monday have the meeting. Yeah. Kill the kill the week on Monday. Spend that 15, 20 minutes on Monday morning and everybody knows it. If you do it every single day, you're going to lose the momentum from the crew. You will. I, I don't think so because you have different trades coming in. No, Not it, every it, day will that trade the same trades I, be there for the week. I, There's new guys coming on board. I think daily is a little much, but you're looking for people to do it weekly. But I agree with you. I'm safety, so I'm going to say you know twice a day is even better, yeah. right? <laughs> so what people are doing now is they're doing orientations. So you know you get your little orientation sticker. So basically someone shows up at your workplace, you go through like a checklist. Do you have your training records? Are you Make sure you're wearing your PPE. They're done your little... Uh, orientation you give them a sticker so technically you're making sure that every single person on that site knows what your expectations are that brings up a question of mine regarding hard hats i've always been told by the high-rise union people you're not allowed to put any decals whatsoever on your hard hat because i'm a little flashy guy hang on a sec and i've got more than enough decals on my vehicle so then i like to decal everything including my hard hat but i got a mouthful because of that but then I actually did a video for a high rise and I was on the job site and I had to go through the orientation and they gave me a sticker. And I'm like, where do you want me to put that on my hard hat? They said, are you allowed <laughs> to put decals on hard hats or not? Because oh. the manufacturers of hard hats say that they deteriorate the 
the, the oil compound breaks down the plastic. So right. what is, where, where is it? Where are we? I'm with you. A couple of years ago, I was telling everyone, you know, don't even write on your hard hat, nothing, take off the stickers or just buy a new hard hat. And then just recently, Ministry of Labor went to one of my sites and we weren't doing that orientation. And they actually asked us that they wanted to see those orientation stickers, you know, something. So on the hard hat, yeah, but they weren't focused on the sticker on the hard hat. They were just focusing on the orientation being done. And how do you know that someone's done it is it through a sticker. Got I want to say two things, please. Before you say your two things, okay. we have to do something. Oh, it's building code talk with Manny. <laughs> He's getting better at it. <laughs> I know that you brought up one right here, which I totally agree with you regarding this was the, the two step rule, right? Right. So and I agree with you that administrative labor inspectors are actually looking for handrailing handrails for two steps, minimum two steps. Right. Or greater. Right. And that made me think about some building code public health, safety, general welfare, right? And I want to see what you guys think of these things. What are the five most common building code infractions? This would be in Ontario only, right? So there's five things. I'll give you the first one, which is missing or defective GFIs. Hmm. Mm. Second one is handrails without returns. Okay. Third one is improper bathroom exhaust ventilation. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Fourth one is missing deck flashing for ledger board. Mm. And the fifth one is poor placement of smoke alarms. Okay. So wow. these are pretty simple things that should not get passed by any of the trades that are attached to that. So we're talking about plumbing, electrical, HVAC, and finishing carpentry. We're talking about every trade here. These are little things that you should not be letting go slip by. Getting to your, we'll go back to the helmet right after this, um, just to kind of answer some of the sure. things you, you brought that up. That was building code talk <laughs> with Manny, Manny, Manny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so you said that more than two steps, more than two steps would be just under 16 inches because Correct. seven and seven eighths is the highest that you can go with a step that's legal under is four inches, uh, four inches is the minimum. So you can't go smaller than four and you can't go higher than seven, seven, eights. Code says, which is kind of contradicting to what you're saying is that anything 24 inches and under does not need any railings oh, or any handrails. I know. So it's very contradicting. They're picking and choosing what they want to say. And it's not, it needs to be, it needs to be very understandable across the board. And it's all over the place. They haven't fine tuned the details. I concur with you, Captain. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can get back to your two things that you okay. want to ask Val. So, so well, I want to talk about the helmet real fast. I know that you say stickers shouldn't be on helmets. I also agree that stickers shouldn't be on helmets because I understand that the people that produce the helmets know that it's breaking it down. And the thing that's saving your life is the helmet. Don't throw it on the ground. Don't put any stickers on it. Don't put any markers on it. What do we see? The ministry does not care about stickers or markers on your helmet. I see it all the time. Everyone has it. Is but it fact that this is actually damaging the helmet? From what I understand from the, the people that make the helmet, that's the only people that enforce okay. this. Okay. That I've seen, because I, I, I watch city inspectors, I see private inspectors, I see health teams like yourself and, and larger going around and they give no infractions of any kind, no penalties to these guys. Do you have stickers on your helmet? I have tons of stickers on my helmet. Do you have stickers on your I helmet? I have one, my new sticker. 
But the truth <laughs> is I never did until just recently, about six months ago. And I'll tell you why. I always loved having a fresh helmet every year. So every year I'd get a new helmet. I went to New Orleans and I, I got a, a football helmet and I was proud of it. And then the next year I would get another company, give me a helmet. So I'd have these fresh helmets, but the guys that are in the industry actually look for what they call greenhorns. And those are new guys in the industry. So when you see a guy with a brand new helmet come on the job site, you know, he's a rookie. If he's got tons of stickers and markers, it's not true. No, it is. So, so what guys don't like in having new ha new helmets because it shows a seniority. It's like a beard. It's like ranking. So when you see an old helmet with tons of stickers from decades of work, that's like a senior, and that's the kind of person that you go to to ask a question. This guy's been around. That's the seniority, right? So when you see a when you see a fresh helmet and I, you know I'm so proud to have a fresh helmet they're like hey bro you look like a a rookie right now hey <laughs> you better throw that helmet down scratch it up throw some dirt on it put some stickers on it that's how guys think about helmets I what you're saying you know I agree with what you're saying I mm -hmm. mean when I get new boots I always get a comment like oh there's no no mud on your boots you know from people that don't know me <laughs> C cavemen <laughs> Yeah. I call them cavemen. <laughs> Me, like a dirty boots. I'm saying they're cavemen, but I'll disagree with you about the hard hat, man. I don't care. Seriously. It, it just. Uh, no, I'm not saying that you. I'm just saying that the overview of population, that's how they view you it. You told us that you're, you're writing a PhD. Oh, yeah, I am. Yeah, a lot of work. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a that's a big that's a huge undertaking. Yes, it is. And the subject is, of uh, course, changing the culture of construction for. So I don't. The question isn't like, I don't have the question exactly how it's going to come out, but it's changing the culture of construction workers so that workers are actually following safety protocols. We'll see how it goes. I mean, uh, I've already been doing it for three years. I'm currently working on a big paper, and it's it's pretty stressful. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> Yeah. And you're taking your experience into it. For sure. And what, what's it been like since the beginning that you got into the industry to now? Have you seen leaps and bounds? I've always told everybody that construction is such a slow moving machine. They really do not want to change the way things are. Have you seen that as well? When I first started in construction, 30 deaths. There was 30 deaths in Ontario in construction. And that was huge. Fall protection wasn't even in yet. And then the next year they brought in fall protection training. That was way back then. Now, I think two years ago or a year ago, the amount of deaths in Ontario was up to 25, was down to 25. So from 30 to 25 in 18 years, I don't know. Uh, I'm safety. I'm all about, you know, let's have zero accidents. Let's have zero fatalities. Yeah, Why not? Sure. I know there's a lot more construction workers though on the flip side, but I think it could be a lot better. Something for me is not working. Something's not working. I don't think these numbers are resonating really well with these people because you just saying 30 and saying 25, that's people, that's, that's a person, that's a life. That's somebody that's not going to come into the job site tomorrow. That's, that's serious. Like you're right. Why aren't we striving to actually make it zero? Right. Everybody goes to work and everybody goes home. Cause you take it for granted. We shouldn't anymore. But you do. That's just how it goes. And until something is taken away from you, you just don't realize how important it was. I know. There's that other argument talking about certain builders that want to cut corners and save money so they won't do certain things. And then all of a sudden there is an accident and something happens, right? 
those are the guys that we should probably be weeding out and getting out of the business. They don't belong in the business if they're going to act that way. But then we also have the other argument where if we do implement everything that we're supposed to implement, it's going to cost so much more that our clients won't want to pay for that. So where do we stand on that? Our argument, we're actually in Skylux right now. We forgot to give him a shout out. We never forget. No, we forgot to give him a shout out, but Skylux Roofing, right? And, and I know when we did his podcast, I know a lot of Irish guys, a lot of people that I talk to on social media that are overseas across the pond, and they set up scaffolding all around the house to roof. You know, Mark asked us, why doesn't the Ministry of Labor implement that? They don't do it because the cost to actually roof someone's, like to re-roof someone's home is going to be triple, quadruple because of that scaffolding. It's unaffordable. In Europe, they actually have scaffolding crews that come and set up all the scaffold. Then the roofers come in and do all the work, but nobody gets hurt. You know, and, and then we also have the argument about roofers on top of the roof and where they're supposed to tie off. There's always a moment of they can't physically tie off. And, and we've had these conversations before where they, you know, Ministry of Labor shows up and all of a sudden they go, I need you to be tied off or else I'm going to find you. And then we tell them, show us where we're supposed to. And their response is, that's not my job. That's not a good response. That, like, that's the thing is that you should be working with us. If you know the roofers should be tied off, you should start making some suggestions on where they should be tied off or letting us know. Or like Mark also mentioned, there should be permanent tie off marks. You're totally right. On the roof. In the ridge beams. Yeah. Yes, right. they should be there. Yeah. Until to get rid of that number of 30 and 25 and even one person dying in this industry, everybody has to work together. Right. We, I think right now there's a lot of people pointing fingers and just saying, well, you're responsible. This is the reason why I'm doing it or not doing it. So we need to change that mindset. Right. That was my little rant. Uh, yeah. So I used to be a high rise window cleaner. So I would uh, clean windows up to 21, wow, 21 floors. That was as far as I could go before you had to get into stage work. Mm -hmm. When I, when I started, that was like, that was like over 20 years ago, I was doing high rise window cleaning. It was really good money, really crazy money. You didn't have to be smart at all. You just needed to be fast and you just need to do your job really well. We would take our rope and our safety rope and tie it to air conditioner. Really? Yeah. Oh. And so what happened was many times I would hear about a, a building that I priced for and I never got that job and someone underbid me in price and they would tie off to that building structure and the rope would slide under the legs of the air conditioner and they would die. Yeah. And only until so many people died did they start to make permanent anchors for us to actually put and clip onto so that we could do our job safely. You know, and that's the only thing that was holding us from dying is a rope. Yeah. I think it's really important that everyone, it's mandatory to have safety for two reasons. One, when I go to these classes, it's nice to see who has common sense, who I'm going to be working with. So like, you know, even if you have a learning disability or like you can't read or you can't write, but you're willing to learn, I think it's important to be part of these classes because you actually have to learn something and you're forced to pay attention to these things and you'll remember them. It kind of etches into your mind that you need to constantly educate yourself so that you don't look like a dummy in the class. Even if you, I'm not saying being a but dummy. But who cares about that? Like these are the classes that you should put your hand up. Before, no, but what I'm saying is people are afraid. But you should put your hand yeah. up is what I'm You're just right. saying. Don't be afraid to put your hand up if maybe English is not your first language. If maybe you don't know all the answers. Trust me, I don't know the, all the, the answers. English is my first language, but I have a second language as well too. But the thing is, don't be afraid to ask. You shouldn't be afraid to ask. I know but people are in a mindset. They're just 
scared and yeah. they want to avoid it as much as they can. And then they lose so many important things to be more efficient on your job. Like safety, you can, if you follow the safety properly, you can actually be more efficient, but you right. just have to see that right. by doing it a few times. Mm -hmm. So now at first I was always like, Oh, I don't want to read in this class. And, you know, and then some teachers would do all the reading for us and it made it a little bit more enjoyable. Um, or sometimes they would force us to do it, but then it also created a bond between the guys that I'd have to take it with. So like, if you go with five guys, right now you're creating this real bond. You're talking about safety and dying. Well, isn't that and better life. to do that? Like I got, I, I want to so. ask you Val, like how do contractors get a hold of you to set this up? Because you're training them on working at heights at Wemis. You're yeah. talking, yeah. Uh, you know, also machinery. And then you've got your favorite, which is aerial work platform. Oh yeah. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I oh, mean, the Skyjack. Oh, Skyjack. Yeah, okay, all right. Picker. Cool. Yeah, I haven't I haven't used one of those since my film days. We used to use always the yeah. uh, the scissor lift. Yeah, yeah. I loved yeah. it. it was like we would drive, get an opportunity to drive wherever yeah, we yeah, wanted yeah. to drive with it. But yeah. back then, in those days, we didn't need all the training. Right. We right, didn't need right. a harness. Right. It was changed. Right. Yeah. So how does one get a hold of you? And I agree with you, Carlito. How we should actually, if you're a one man shop partner up with three other companies right. that are one man shop and then go together as a group right. and then get this done. At least you get the training done. Yeah. So how do people get a hold of me? It's word of mouth just from being in the industry for a while. A lot of people have my number or they'll call me. Can I get my number to so-and-so? And I'm very flexible. Like a lot of people call and they call all hours of the day. Do they really? Oh yeah. I always tell people you could call me, but you know, not 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday. <laughs> How about not on a Saturday? No, not on a Saturday. <laughs> you have Monday to Friday. <laughs> but no, I'm pretty flexible. Uh, with, but they can reach the you time. on social media, so they can so, DM you through there. Yeah, exactly. At Safety or, Val, right? Right. So, yeah. Or uh, text me on my phone. I don't mind giving out my phone number. A lot of people have it. It's fine. Should I give it now? Oh, for or? sure. You want to give up your number? Give sure. up your number. Yeah. Four one six eight nine 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 two seven two. Perfect. Get a hold of you, and then if you're a one man shop. Does, yeah. does that people. one man, it's one woman shop. I do a uh, training sessions. Well, now that COVID-19 is here, uh, I've stopped all my training, but before that I did training, I would say five times out of the seven days of a week of the week, every single week. Wow. I was like training, training, training all the time on Saturdays. I have a training center where people come to me, different groups come to me. And yes, I've seen the guys nervous, like literally their hands are shaking they see or they know that a test is coming. Very few workers have left, but I really try to encourage them to stay. I know workers have come to my course after failing somewhere else. I'm not like that. I know that if you don't, it doesn't matter what they put on a piece of paper. If I know that they understand and there is that option of explaining it to a worker. So, so I feel confident for those workers if they want to come i'm encouraging everybody to come I, i've heard i've seen teachers in the class when there's somebody's in the classroom is kind of like the person does want to be involved you know he has a, a learning disability and you know you feel sorry for him people pair up with him and try but i've seen the teachers say okay i want you to just answer it verbally to me if i see that you understand i'll give it to you because i at least feel that you're competent enough and you understand. If you don't, and you don't have a common sense to explain that to me, you shouldn't be on a job site. Right. That's the whole point. If you can't, it's so important. Like if you can't pass this, then there's a serious problem. Mm -hmm. And you know, if someone is like you that is willing to allow certain ways of getting around it, like common sense, then 
you know, I shouldn't be afraid, right? Right. You guys did bring up a good point that if companies come together, for example, if I was to come here and do it for your guys here in this room, you know, you guys feel comfortable in this room and your guys would feel comfortable here, assuming that they're familiar with this room. It's, it's, it's different than having to come to me and me be there with other people. So what are the costs? <laughs> Well, just because I know a lot of people are going to be interested in it, and it'd be nice to talk about some numbers. Right, sure. Okay, so the cost for that for working at Heights goes from 150 to 200 per per worker. Wow, that's actually cheaper than it ever has been. Okay, great. <laughs> no, it's in line because remember we were talking to Michael from uh, MedCorp, and so he does it for all of his workers, and, and Mark does it for all of his workers but as that's, well. But uh, that's a good price. That That's, that's usually, a great price. That's a usually that's a, price a great price for like 10 or 20 people in a classroom. Like right. usually, usually when it's like you as an individual, it's like $320, $360. I forget what I paid last for. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. good. Great. Wemis and health and safety awareness, you know, is like $50, sometimes 40 something like that. Like between 40 to 50 bucks now. And for machinery, it's usually about $100. Do you do propane also? I don't do propane. Okay. Back in the day I did, and then the, the legislation changed, and I, I don't do propane anymore. Well, I think it's just so important that every small contractor or big contractor does propane. It's on every site. Yeah. No, you have to. You can't even touch it unless you have training. I see guys torching the propane canisters with, yeah. with torches, and they're yeah. like, don't worry, it won't blow. And I'm like, dude, get off my job site. That's crazy. Yeah. Who's doing that? A lot of roofers. I've, I know a lot of roofers that do that. They try not to. Skylux. They try to. I'm not saying Skylux, <laughs> but I'm saying there's a lot of guys out there that are trying to heat up the propane because during the winter, yeah, it, the gas freezes up, right? right? And they want to try to get as much as they can out of it. Right. But that's scary. I'm like, dude, that's gonna blow up on my site. Yeah. When I see a propane tank on the side, for me, that's like a little rocket waiting to take off. I mean, I know I'm being very paranoid, but that's how I look at it. So it's like, it's gotta be, someone's gotta fix it right away. That's another thing I, I want to talk about. A lot of people are, are afraid to report incidences like if they got hurt or if they saw something unsafe, they think it's ratting out the guy at site, but I don't. I, I mean, if there's something dangerous on site, I mean, that people need to be notified about that someone's being dangerous right yeah so well how do you feel about the whole rats and you know people not reporting something that's happened on site because obviously it's gonna if it's happened once it's gonna happen twice right so actually in the green book the law says workers have to notify their supervisors of any hazards that they are aware of so that includes you see something's not safe by law you have to report it to your supervisor or you'll get fined you could get a fine so yeah, it's in the green book, it's law. What's another hazard we see? Someone else not wearing a hard hat. So the law does say you're supposed to report it. Like who actually does that? I do. You know, no one, you actually, <laughs> you're hilarious. I did it today. That's the guy wasn't good. even working for me. He was a surveyor. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's and right. I was like, but that's, see, the I'm way... not even the boss on that site. <laughs> I that was, was a great story, by. by the way. I hmm. like that. I mean, if I was a surveyor, I'd be like, hey, this guy's cool. He cares about me. No, but it's the same guy twice. <laughs> I know. Like he looked at me like he knew there was like he was starting to get worried because I looked at him and I was like, I lost a friend over this. Potentially, you are an idiot. Why are you on this? There, there you are. Like you're not a number. You're not looking at it as a number because you've actually lost. No, somebody. but I looked at him and I told him like with my eyes. I know, but that's I was the reason like, why I care for you, I, man. I wouldn't say that you're ratting him out. Yeah. You're just notifying. Him. I know, but they don't look at it that way. They're like wasting my time. Language. Me. <laughs> Language. Yeah. 
What do you want me to say? Fargan eyes hole? <laughs> um, I want to talk about some myths. Okay. What's the shortest pair of shorts you can wear? No one ever gets this right. Can you wear shorts? It's a and where, it's if a you can, where, where does it stop? Your knees? I've seen Daisy Dukes on the site. What? Whoa. Yeah, but this is, I'm going to say this is going back Wait, like hang 10 on a years ago. On men? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Carpenters. <laughs> well, you know what? You are right. The old school seventies guys, yeah. late seventies, early eighties. This was the seventies or eighties, man. But we're talking. It's the summer. It's probably like their older pair of jeans, like full of holes. Like they, they're like, hey, it's air conditioning. You know, back in the day. Yeah, I don't like it. Their balls are showing and stuff. It's not. I'm not into it. Uh, but no, I've seen over the years like they've gone longer and longer. I, I wear jeans in the But in what the is summer. the rule? What is actual facts so, with shorts? Okay, so Green Book, I'm not exactly sure what the Green Book says. I don't think the Green Book actually says it's got to wear long pants. But you have to protect your skin. But I know safety manuals that I write and a lot of safety manuals that I've seen, it's long pants. So we're in construction. We're exposed to nails. It's um, the same for T-shirts It's too, about right? Well, I was going to yeah, get so to that. I gotta, so it's okay, long sleeve. One, yeah. Technically speaking, you're supposed to wear long sleeve, long pants. It's because of the whole skin thing, right? right. It's about burning. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And so that's not really the, the case, though. Is that a fact? Do you have to wear? Because like a lot of people are wearing short sleeves. When I first started, we were pre we were preaching. Okay, you want to wear a t-shirt? That's fine. It's got to be the six inch, six six inch shoulder. Do you remember that? Well, I used to wear the old ACDC shirts. You're not talking about the ones where you roll up your smokes. <laughs> no, it's like you're so funny. <laughs> but basically, your t-shirt would be like down the, there. Yeah, which they come I didn't down like. Baseball shirts. Yeah, so it was a horrible tan in the summer. Farmer's tan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was something that we were promoting on the sites. Okay. Okay. I've had a super saying. Show that to me in a green book. Like, and it's not there. It's not in the green book, but it's in their in their safety manual. I haven't been able to show it to them in a green book. Now, Have you heard I, of someone being fined for it? No, I haven't. I haven't. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen. I don't think I've never. Would I, be I keep hearing it. it. I think it's unsafe, actually. Uh, to what? I, long sleeve or short sleeve? I've I found myself if in the summertime it's so hot out. There's less chance. I, I feel this way. I don't know if that's right or wrong. Okay, so Val, how do you feel about track pants? I was just going to get to that. No, they're they're loose. So I think, I'll, I'll tell but you. But pants are loose. No. That's true. Some, it's no, but true. Pants, I have Some, a lot of pants that are loose. Wear a belt. So you're, we wanna, we're trying to think of every possible way you can get hurt, right? So mm. if you have like a loose chain or you have long hair or you have loose pants, like that could potentially get caught somewhere. So my safety mind is saying no. You know, jeans are good. <laughs> I always thought it was about the drawstring. So I'll tell you, okay. I I have really bad knees from martial arts and laying tiles. I have to wear shorts a lot of times because jeans don't allow me to put my knee into the position I need to. Or sometimes then wear I get MC Hammer jeans. I get man. calcium that pops out and locks my knee. So sometimes I have to poke it back in and tuck it underneath my kneecap because I, I can't get a knee surgery right now. So the track <laughs> pants really make me safer at work and allow me to do more. Now, I don't have a drawstring. Like, I don't go to, like, my track pants don't have drawstrings. So I always thought that that was just a myth. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm also thinking about a nail going into a track pant. Yes. It doesn't give you that much protection. It's kind of like a knife going through butter. Yeah. Butter can be hard too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just work, wear work pants. 
Listen, proper I, one, I know where you're pants. going with this. I think that your first impression, your second impression, you should not be wearing sh- with track pants. But once you get to know the customer, I think it, it's okay. Val, don't, you, don't you find? Don't you, oh, so by the by the end of the job, you're wearing pajamas or what? Like I don't understand. Don't you, Val? Don't you find it interesting that he's really strict about brand new helmets, but yet he's wearing track pants? And Manny, until your body starts to like. This is all I have. This in this industry is really my I life wear work for life. Pants and they're very comfortable and they move with you because they stretch now. So but you're, yes. you're you you're at a better end of the construction. Not that you don't do the work, but you're it's ironic. You're, I'm just you're saying a lot of it's, brains it's on the job. You're, you're all about the hilti, which is the more expensive tools. But then when it comes to attire, you're wearing the cheapest thing. Hey, listen, if you want Contra- me to make a pair of track I'm, pants that look like jeans, I'm never I will. Go- I'm not going to make a <laughs> pair of track pants. Okay, so those are the myths. Are there any other myths? Well, I think we've kind of covered the boots, the oh, oh, gla- uh, gloves. I heard now it's mandatory no matter what to wear gloves at work now. Oh, no, I haven't heard that. Okay. Really? I know, I know all, union, uh, all, all union jobs, you have to have gloves on. Okay. Really? Yeah. But I mean, you know I what? think it provides better protection for sure. Well, you're touching chemicals and you're a painter and believe it or not. Well, I I know Manny, uh, I'm just, okay. So hang on a sec. You're installing a finished kitchen cabinetry. You're expected to wear gloves. You could wear surgical gloves. We all know that any nitrate or latex surgical rubber plastic glove will never survive. It'll get a nick and then you'll have all the missing finger, you know, holes and stuff like that. And it becomes annoying. I know you don't like Princess Auto, but they have Grease Monkey gloves and they're super strong. I'm talking about Grease Monkey. I'm talking about, I love the black gloves. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And they're textured. I love those too as well. I thought you had the Fruit of Loom ones. No, I have the red ones and I have the black (laughs) ones. But my point is that they will not last. So gloves are kind of, I'm just, I'm like the other guys. I just always question it. Sure, it's fine for somebody to write it down in in a book and just go through, but I want to know the people that wrote this stuff are they actual former contractors that were on job sites that have gone through this or are they people that read reports from government officials that have never been on a job site again and then said well this is what we have to make mandatory well i'd rather it come from a contractor that's been on a site that's experienced this and said that this is wrong before accidents is what i'm trying to get at right i'm not saying that you go in there and all of a sudden let a bunch of things slide but there are certain things that are not necessary, I think. You know what I would love to see? And, and I'm, I'm sure, and I want to get to your whole speak up for safety. I want to talk about the program that you're doing because I totally, when you first reached out to me, I checked out your page and I looked at everything and I was like, here's a smart person. And I started thinking to myself, why can't we all just police ourselves? Why can't we all just be on a job site and just be conscious of what needs to be done? Like you said earlier in the podcast, have that due diligence, have that manual, have it ready. So then if something does happen, you have it. So then if you're a one man, two man, small shop, and you don't think that safety is an important issue for your business, why can't you just police each other? Or I guess they maybe don't police each other because they don't know everything, but they can speak to somebody like you, Val, and then they can get the information. Because I personally would love to, you know, talk to you, get the manual, get it going and start sharing it. And anybody else that's listening to us, contact you and start talking about that. I want to talk to all my sub trades, DGR, everybody else, all the Mark, everybody. And I want to ask them, what are they doing? I want to find out. I know Mark at Skylux, he's conscious of this. He's actually got benefits for all of his guys. He's taking care of all of his employees. That's amazing. Which is great for a one man roofing business, right? right? In Toronto. So I want to see more of that from all these smaller shops. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a lot more about Speak Up for Safety, 
the program that you started. Speak Up for Safety is about asking questions at work. That thing that I was saying earlier, you know, call your supervisor 10 times a day. If you have a question, you're not sure, you're afraid. It's legitimate to be afraid. For yeah. sure it is. So, I've been afraid who, many times. <laughs> right, but who actually says that, right? So that's what Speak Up for Safety is about. It's giving voice to everybody. You know, speak up. There's a lot of workers that don't speak the language as well. That's why with the training, I try to include, involve as many people as possible. And in these trainings, I also, you know, remind them to speak up. So that's what Speak Up for Safety is about. And the whole purpose is to avoid unnecessary accidents and fatalities. At any given time during the week, are you visiting more commercial sites, high-rise or low-rise job sites, or is it a balance? I'm going to say the majority of the week is low-rise residential housing sites. Really? Yeah? yeah. Good. So I do a lot of training. And then after the, my training session, I'll jump to a site and I'll probably hit about three different sites a day. What I do is I made up this sign that says speak up for safety. Yeah. You can see it on Instagram. <laughs> Everywhere I go, it's like, okay, hey, we're going to take this picture and everybody knows what it's about. You know, at the beginning, I, I could see how some workers are hesitant. All it takes is for like one guy in the group to be like, yeah, let's do this. And everyone's on board. After they take the picture, it's like, it makes a difference. I don't know how to explain it. It's like an energetic thing. Like they're, they're on board. Then they follow me on Instagram. They see their picture on Instagram. They love it. That's what Speak Up for Safety is all about. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to suggest. So a lot of people that are listening, we have a lot of listeners in the Ontario area, Toronto area. I'm going to ask them, whoever's listening, to take a group shot. Nice. Whoever's on the job site, mm -hmm. send it to me and I will Photoshop your banner. So everyone holds up their hands like they're holding up your banner. Oh, cool. And then I'll Photoshop the Speak Up for Safety banner on that. And then I'll post it on my page oh, and wow. share. So anybody who takes a picture, a group shot, and you could be two people, you could be one person, you could be 10 people. Just put your hands up as if you're holding up the banner. And then I'll Photoshop your banner on. You'll send me a, a file of it. And then I'll send it out there and everyone sees it. So we can grow that whole Speak Up for Safety a lot more. Awesome. That's Thank wicked. You. Cool. Thank you. I would really love to see... Being addressed, like we talked about it very briefly, but I think it's really important that somehow we make a lot of the contractors in this industry comfortable with being able to take the course and not feel like if they can't read or write, it's not going to hold them back from passing. Right. I think it's a really big problem. Unfortunately, a lot of people in construction aren't always the best or well educated but they're so great with their minds and their hands and they're very creative. I just feel that there's way too much pressure and I think it's holding back so many good people from having something so important for their own good and for the people around them. So I would love to see more encouragement for people not educated in this industry. I know I agree with that 100%. Val already expressed that earlier yeah. on, right? That's what I kind of like about it. So don't be afraid to... I know. I just want to talk about it because a lot of people are so scared. Honestly, I, I know I, it's yeah. crazy. Like you take 10 guys and seven of those guys are going to be afraid to take that course. Mm -hmm. They just don't want to, but because the companies are forcing them to take it, that's the only reason they're taking it. Right. And even then they don't want to take it. I think it does make a difference if they take the course with their, with their, who they're used to taking it with, like with their groups, if they're sent somewhere. On their own, it's different. How many years is every part of what you break down the the certificates and how many years they're good for? Okay, so working in heights is three years. So uh, every three years, every you have to three take that years. Course. 
Now with the COVID-19, I'm not sure if you heard, if you've done the course from February, if it expires this February to August 31st, your working in Heights is now valid for four years. Because of this COVID, nice. you're good for one more year. There's a smart thing the government's doing. Yeah. And I heard, I heard, this is like, I don't even know, it hasn't even been said, but I heard that they're looking into changing the working heights a little bit because you know how we all have to put on the harness at some point in the course. And if there's a scare with the COVID-19, we're all putting on the same harness or, you know, we're all in the same room. So I think they're going to be making those types of changes. I don't know. What's the idea that you just bring your own harness? Perhaps, or maybe that, you know, when you do the... I'm not sure exactly how they're, what they're How would thinking. that work? You'd have to just use your own. I have my own harness. I know yeah. that's the thing. So you'd have your own. So you'd just bring your own harness, right? Yeah. This is all things I've heard. Nothing official. That's official about the four years in this time because of COVID. Otherwise, Working Heights is valid for three years. Got it. A lot of people look at their card and they say, well, my card has no expiry date. You just have to add three years from the day that you got the training. Wemis expires every single year. It's in the green book. A lot of people say, no, my women's is good for two years. And I say, it says annually in the green book. But now you can do it online, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can do it online. And then the other course is health and safety awareness. That is the online course. It's on the Ministry of Labor website. It's free. It doesn't expire. So you can do it on your own. It takes about, you know, half an hour. You watch a video and you do a test. And you can totally cheat on it. I don't know. <laughs> Not that you should, but I'm just making a joke. I'm trying yeah. to make it funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I want to go back to the harness because that's another myth I want to I want to squash. Mm -hmm. Is I'll, I see a lot of these guys doing this, and I keep telling them not to do this. They take markers. Yeah, to, put their name on it. Yeah. Yeah, you're not allowed to write anything on the harness. It they say the chemicals in the marker break down the stitching, or even though it has an expiry date, I always check my harness, and if everything looks good on it, and I check it off in my safety book, that harness, the expiry date doesn't actually count. If your harness is in really good shape, it still can go yes. outside of its expiry it's a recommendation. date. So the That's five right. years is a recommendation. And what we always say is read the manufacturer's instructions. Like whatever the manufacturer's instructions say, do what it says. So read the manuals. Do you know what the fines are for not work, like working on a roof or... And not having your harness with you? I don't know if it what it is, but I'm guessing it's about six hundred plus tax. Yeah, so that five fifty again, probably the first one. There are always an increments of two fifty, five fifty. I've only seen a few. Yeah, like first ones, thousand. first ones. Yeah, first. And I, I love telling people the tax, the health and safety law tax, which is twenty five percent. The, so, the victim surcharge. Oh, the victim surcharge. Yeah, yeah I didn't yeah. realize. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize. Until no, I don't recently. understand that. Yeah. Say that again. Sorry. No, no. It's just yeah. There's a subtax. There's a tax on it. So when you get a phone. fine and safety, it's plus tax. But it's not called tax. It's called victim surcharge, which is AKA tax. Wow. And it's not thirteen percent. It's twenty five percent. Dun dun dun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you want? Not a lot see, of people know. What do you want to see changed in the health and safety? Since we're talking about training, I think some something to, towards the training where it's more, you know, you know how everyone has to write a test. Like you do have to do a test with a harness, but there is a written test. And I know that's a lot of pressure. So maybe change something with that regard. Do something so it really involves everybody else. And then just reducing accidents. I think and, and asking questions because I think we, we in construction, we don't really ask questions. No, I don't. I've got a question, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this just popped in my head as you were talking about the harness. What is the deal with the ladder? 
Okay. So with what? So I thought recently, was it recently or three, four years ago, they changed it. So you couldn't, you couldn't be on a ladder with a tool in hand above three steps. Is it? What I say about ladders is that a ladder is for access and egress. You can't work off of a a ladder. You have to install a recessed lighting. You have to bring in a scaffold to do that. Yes. I was told that as long as you have three points on the ladder. Right. But you can't if you work. So an electrician installing has a tool belt and has a drill, 12 volt, because they're not using screwdrivers to do this. You know where I'm going with this, right? Mm -hmm. I personally think it's ridiculous. I think that you can do that work on a ladder, but it goes against the law. There was a time where they were recommending platform ladders. They had a platform. The green book, it says your platform has to be 18 inches wide. If you're below uh, eight feet, then you don't need guardrails. I have those platform ladders. That's amazing. That is amazing. So those are really good. Whenever I had to do commercial work, unfortunately, we all break rules residentially. But at a commercial level, you know there's more inspectors walking through or you can't hold them back from walking through. At least with a house, you can throw a newspaper on the window or, (laughs) you know, yeah, I'm not saying it's right. (laughs) I'm not saying it right. It's right. I'm just saying that these are the things that actually go on. Right. So you get away with more in a house, but in a commercial atmosphere, you have to have these things or you're going to get kicked off the site. Right. Right. I got another question. Yeah. You're on the job site and training or looking for infractions to kind of educate the crew and the owner of the company and the homeowners walk right into the job site wearing their flip flops. Yeah, I know. So because legally you're not yeah. allowed to say anything no. to them because it's their dwelling. Right. So They're what is that all? Crap I know. About? And that, that's what, you know, I'm, I'm telling guys to put their hard hats on and then a neighbor comes out, she's walking her dog and she's wearing flip flops. Exactly. I don't know. They're not at work. The green book is workplace. But they're on a construction site. So I think what some builders are doing, sorry, is uh, they're sending out notices to homeowners to to where they're, you know, not to walk around the job site, but they really can't do anything. They can't do anything. They'll ignore them. But what's worse is they bring their kids and then they don't take care of them. Depends if I like the kids or not. I know, but still I got reciprocating saws. I got saws. (laughs) Depends if I like the kids or not. I know. <laughs> Does that mean if they're cute, they're okay? <laughs> no, it's true. You you know you can't yeah, they go you, running you around to, on a job site. Yeah, the tools and any opening that's left, you know, not blocked, it's dangerous. Because I respect the tradespeople because we could be working and we could actually have a hole. We're doing something, but the thing is, perfectly, everybody is aware of that. Yeah. Homeowners and children come on the job site. They're not aware Dude, of it. No, not at you're, all. You're we totally have a, wrong. We have a jet. What do you mean we're not? No, I, I'm, I'm talking about my job. Sites, I have man. an adult walk on the site today. That surveyor. He's obviously well educated. Are we still s- going back to the guy who's no, not wearing? No, but he walks on a piece of plywood and he knows there's nothing underneath it. Like, and you then you expect a child not to know that. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, what should, was his should, name? Jimmy? No, not Jimmy. I don't know. I don't know who the guy was, but I guarantee next time he sees me, he's gonna run. <laughs> you, but you know what happens though? When we grow up, everything is safe. So our house is safe. We go to the mall. The mall is safe. Railings, everything is perfect. You go to school. The school is safe. Like there's no issue with guardrails or handrails. You now, grew up in a really good neighborhood. I know. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Not in my neighborhood. <laughs> but or then you go to work and you assume your mentality, the way you're you're raised, everything is good. You know, you don't even think twice. So then you go to a job site and you assume the stairs are installed correctly and they're not. There's one nail. You assume the guardrails are installed correctly and you. And you go and have a conversation and lean up against the guardrail. Next thing you know, you're in the basement. That's the thing. Like in construction, because we're in it, we know not to trust anything. But when you grow up and you trust everything, all of a sudden you're on a site, you just assume everything's good. 
I, I think yeah. uh, you're bringing up a really good point, and, and I think there just should be a rebate for the people that buy safety equipment. When you're a company and you're buying all this expensive safety equipment, and it's so expensive, it's more expensive than buying tools, and it's just so hard to. Who's going to give this rebate? The government should give a rebate for being mm -hmm. safe. I mean, a company can sell these products, and since they can't drop the price, can at you least come back to earth, please? Dude, something needs to change. Like You're not going to get you the wanna money from the government. If you want to see less people getting hurt, there, you would see more people using safety equipment if it was a little bit more affordable, or there was some kind of write-off, or, or, you know, some kind of encouragement to to use safety. Equipment. Do you think like I don't think safety equipment is ridiculously expensive? You're talking about guardrail, like you get the metal That's railings, yeah. and I mean harnesses are expensive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ropes are expensive. Yeah. Eye washes are over a hundred dollars. Like yeah. I have, and I have to change my my liquid every single year. It's sixty bucks. No, uh, fire true. extinguishers are seventy to eighty dollars. Yeah. I have to buy a what is it five kilo fire extinguisher? I forget how many, how much is in the bottle, but it has to be an ABC on there. I have to have one at every job site. I have one in my van. Like they're expensive, you know. It's just it's crazy because you start to pay attention to how you're not making that money from the customer. The customer doesn't want to pay you already. They're already trying to rip off the contractor. The contractor's always got the 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 worst end of the deal. Yeah, I'm thinking of like a carpenter. He's buying his harness a hundred, the rope grab a hundred, the lanyard another hundred, and like a hundred for the whole. And that's cheap stuff. And then you know he goes to a job site and then it gets full covered in mud. And then it, you know two weeks later it's. It's not even that good. Yeah. You know? I personally don't know a carpenter who owns a harness. <laughs> I do. I don't. I, I actually I know I do. I do. <laughs> do. I do know a lot of a lot of good contractors out there and they're all, you know, certified and they have all their certificates. So what is the basic your, your station, your health and safety station on your job site? What's everything that you're supposed to have on that station? It's you're supposed to have your first aid kit, your eye wash, your extinguisher, ear protection of face protection glasses glasses safety goggles you're supposed to have a map to the nearest hospital you're supposed to have your ministry of labor notice a project notice a project sorry thank you notice of the nop uh what else is missing closest there? hospital emergency, I already emergency said that. Yeah. numbers sorry. emergency contact information emergency, emergency numbers, numbers for all trades people on the site uh, no emergency numbers like i want to call i want to call the police but not 911 got it I wanna, or a fire department 311 what they expect is you find it for the certain city where the site is so for hamilton three one one's like parking and <laughs> and like you're uh, someone someone drove on my driveway and the grass is now ruined three one one put it there anyway you need emergency procedures that's so important guys because you know we, yeah. sometimes we think we're going to be prepared for an emergency then it hits and we panic like i panicked the other day with the, some guy cut himself and he's looking at me because i'm the safety girl but I'm not a nurse. I'm just a safety girl, right? So I panicked. I, I, I couldn't even open a Band-Aid. You always have to be prepared for an emergency. They say for like tornado, even though it's not going to happen. Tornado, fire, like a major accident, blackout, bomb threat. I've written what procedures What about flatulence? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Toilet paper? No, job site flatulence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else is missing on that table? Uh, your health and safety manual, the green book. The green book. Uh, you should have the supervisor's weekly inspections posted. Weekly. Uh, the meetings, either joint health and safety committee meetings or toolbox talks should be up there. And then the posters, you have to have a safe at work poster. Yes. It's white. You have to have the, the black poster, one, two, three, four. Yeah. 
you have to have PPE posters, so hard hat safety boots, or it might be hard hat safety boots eye protection. That should be right at the gate. Yeah. No, that's another sign. I'm going to get to that. Very important are hours of operation. Hours of operation. Very important. Wow. Where's that? At the actual station? Uh, at the station or on the front door of the trailer or somewhere. Oh, so really? So on your site sign safety regarding what you're allowed to be uh, on the site with, you have to have hours of operation? Yes, because if something happens, an accident happens outside of those hours... They're outside of the hours. That person trespassed. Oh, I never knew that one. Well, trespassing is actually anything between 12 and 6 o'clock in the morning. No, but what's really interesting... But you are right. Legally, it protects you in somewhat way. That's crap. Because if it's after hours and someone wants to break in on your job site and they actually got hurt on the job site, then you as the person who owns that property or the builder's risk or whatever's under... You're now liable for that. I know it's horrible, right. man. So I'll just they say, broke into yeah. your job site. So go That's on. why you have to have yeah. insurance. There's a good story. I don't know exactly when it happened, but it was a high rise on the lakeshore that went up. I think it was last year. A pedestrian got into the site somehow. Okay. It was a, a girl. She walked up, or a woman. She walked up to I don't know what floor. And the people for an opening were using the same doors that they were using to an elevator shaft. Uh-oh. was the same door to the unit doors. Uh-oh. So she opened the door, fell in, and died. Oh, my okay? God. So they got charged because they didn't have the posters on the outside of the hoarding, danger due to, and they didn't have a, a sign on that door, do not enter. On that entire job site, they didn't have one sign on the hoarding around that building? I don't know, but I know that they got charged for that. And wow. it's, it's on the Ministry of Labor website. So that's really good to know all about the signage. That's and really signage important. Signage is huge, yeah. And, and pro- hours of operation. And the problem with that is most of the people are still upset that they're paying a fine instead of what happened on their site. Yeah. No names on this one, but the person listening will definitely know who they are. <laughs> um, so I kept, tell- I kept telling <laughs> this one individual, I kept saying, hey, the job box, the eye equipment, tell like I tell the guys every day, this is exactly where the fire extinguisher is. This is where this stuff is. I'm on another side, I get a phone call and someone says to me, we just had a fire. And I said, who's we, not me, <laughs> you had a fire. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, where was your fire extinguisher? I couldn't find it cause I had material all over it. A simple thing like a drop sheet on top of a stove. You just lean against the stove, you walk away, it catches on fire. Yeah. And your whole kitchen burns down. It's a disaster. So it's just so important. Like something as simple as a fire extinguisher. This is like the 101 of the basics of a contractor. You should you should always know where your water shutoff is. You should always know where your panel is. You should always have first aid kit. You should always have a fire extinguisher. Right. Is that something that you always teach the people? Regarding to fires, everyone should know how to use one too. Because what good is it to have it there and if you don't know how to use it? Fire extinguishers are actually really good for atmosphere if you want to ever photograph your job site. <laughs> Just make it a nice sunny day and the sun will come in and you'll bring it right back to the 80s. Oh, the that's 80s very cool. Music videos, they're good. Because I actually did that one time. It was already expired. So mm-hmm. the expi- it expired. So I said, well, what are we going to do with this? Well, I know what I'm going to do with this. Right. So I got Aren't some nice there chemicals in there. <laughs> that's good. There's chemicals in there. Yeah, it's not all that healthy, but it made for a great atmosphere. I really would love that the contractors, I mean, we're more the smaller mom and pop one man, two man jobs, like shops, right? Like we don't have huge crews. I don't have any employees. You don't have any employees. We're basically a lot of the custom rental guys out there. Yeah. And I would really love them to police themselves a lot more. 
I think like you said earlier, everyone's thinking, well, nothing's ever gotten wrong. So what's the point of doing all this stuff? There's no reason to do it. I disagree with you about the daily. I rather do weekly. I rather pick Monday, start the week. That's just me. But I do think, yeah, weekly. And I think that if you go and maybe team up with a bunch of people, everyone's always friendly, so to speak, on social media. So then you know other contractors out there. Maybe get six painters to get together. You guys go and take care of the course. And all yeah. of a sudden, everyone feels a lot more comfortable now. Right. And I do agree with you about, yeah, sure, there are those kids, those people, could be even grown men. They're afraid because it's a test. Everyone starts to sweat when it's a test, right? right. Just get the idea, go there, try to go with somebody and try to even study a little bit before you go. So at least you get, and when I say study, just communicate with other people that have it already. Just talk to them about what's the story, what's the deal. Not everybody knows everything. So if you can make their lives a little bit easier to be, to get to you, so then they can do the training and then they can get onto the job site. And then I also think that I speak to a lot of GCs out there, custom builders, get them to be policing a lot more instead of just focusing. We've got to deal with the stupid clients as it is. We've got to deal with also the safety too. This is really paramount. I kind of want to make another statement because I, I just listened to you go on and it was, it's brilliant. Sure. It's brilliant. Another way of looking at a daily, every day having a tailgate meeting in the morning, putting someone responsible every single day, a different person every single day makes everyone involved educates everybody and then putting everyone on the job and making them a supervisor when you leave giving them the responsibility of carrying the burden of safety for all the trades for the house for uh, anything that could, could possibly be wrong doing this every day changes the outlook to the employee in the business so you go from being an employee to a responsible part of the business and you know, when you get that responsibility of being a supervisor and taking care of everybody on your site, making sure they're healthy and safe, you start to pay attention more, you get more involved and you put in more into the business. I don't want to see that small businesses need to have this because it's very hard to be a small business owner and have all the overhead costs. It's already hard enough to kind of compete with people that are very good with their money and they know how to invest it and carry it because, you know, a lot of contractors juggle money. I, I don't really want to see it too implemented, but I really do want to see small businesses doing more for themselves and right. for the and for the homeowners like being the contract for that homeowner being responsible right yeah i'm happy you brought that up because I, like i i don't want anyone to think that you know because there's a small a small contracting company that you know they have to forget about safety because we're talking about builders and stuff uh, what i see with the small contractors or, or contractors that are doing one job uh sorry one house at a time they have like a little safety corner. They, they put all their postings on a big sheet of plywood. They have their green book. It's doable. It's not, not like, it's not something that's impossible. It's totally doable. Number one. And when it comes to paying for like safety training, what the smaller companies do is, you know, everyone kind of pays for themselves. Their workers pay for themselves or they figure something out like the big companies. Yeah. They can pay for their, you know, 40 guys to get trained, but with the smaller guys, you know, everyone pays for themselves and it's all doable stuff. So I'm in a high rise building, a really beautiful, I'm, I'm working in a shower. That's also a steam shower. So it's completely closed in and they're one by one tiles on the wall and the grout's full of mold. The owners of the building, you know, have high end customers. They want 
to take care of them. So they bring me in to remove all the, the grout joint mold. I, I wear goggles. I got a, a proper respirator on, a half mask. I've got the whole suit on and literally just maybe parts of my cheeks and some of my forehead are showing. And I'm in there, I've got everything. Like I'm totally suited up. I want these people, they're paying top dollar. I want them to know that they're what they're getting their money's worth. Like when they're watching me, they're like, this is serious, man. This guy's like removing the mold from my walls. So I spray all the chemicals. I let it sit for 15, 20 minutes. I got a guy outside uh, working with me because I don't want to cross-contaminate the chemicals out into the uh, bathroom. I'm in there. I've done everything. And I just lift my head and a drop from the tiles, the mold remover, falls through my goggles oh. and into my eye. Oh my And goodness, honestly... Yeah. If I didn't have a guy working with me with my eye wash, I could have probably lost my eye. I want to share the stories because you, you could be doing something like mold remediation and it's, you think it's so simple that, you know, you got your goggles on it. The eye wash saved me. Right. Like, honestly, it saved nice. my eye. And that's how important all these little things are as a big company or as a small company. I just yeah. wanted to kind of share those stories. I think it's important that people understand that accidents happen all the time. Uh, but Manny, I think uh, we should have a, a green talk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you bring up the green book talk? Green please? book talk. <laughs> Is that yours or Val? You're going to do it? No? Yeah. It would be a privilege if you could give us one Okay. bylaw okay, and yeah. section. So one of the three main trainings that everyone needs to have, the health and safety awareness. It's a four-step for workers, a five-step for supervisors. It's the one that you do online that's okay. free and doesn't expire. What I read is that the fine for not having this training is $600 plus wow. the victim surcharge. 600 bucks plus another 25%. Right. Lovely. Wow. And that's yearly, small or big business? No, this one doesn't expire. Oh, okay. So you do it once. You do it once and you're good. And it makes you aware. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it covers uh, the responsibilities in the act, worker responsibilities, supervisor and owner. It talks about the three rights of workers. It talks about reporting hazards to your supervisor, et cetera. You know, I think it's really important that everyone takes a safety course. At some point in their life, they're going to need this, right? It's law. I know, but like some people don't follow the laws. And I just think that it's really important that they just do it. Are you going back to my speeding? No. That's what you have lawyers <laughs> for. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> okay, so again, Val, it's uh, at Safety Val. At Safety Val. For on Instagram. On Instagram. So if you guys are looking for somebody that's going to help you and do all this training that you need anyway, and she'll actually make it very painless. Yes. And you also speak in different languages as well, too. Yes. Italian, Portuguese, Spanish. Yes. English. And partly Croatian. Not Francais. No Francis. Okay. No Francis. No problem at all. We can leave the French in Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at Safety Val, and then you're with the company Rye, Rye Health and Safety? Yes. Inc. And then your phone number is 416-899-9272. Right. It's all about speak up for safety. Yeah. There's a lot of listeners that are really good trades people. And to become a better business and a safer business, they need to know all of the ammunition they need to become a real serious business. Mm -hmm. Like you can be a business owner, you could be really serious in business and take it serious. Like just being in business and just doing construction isn't really business. It's just, you know, getting into it, dabbling, but getting the safety, getting all the requirements, all the licenses, that that's what makes you 
a real serious player, right? The last thing I want to say is that safety starts from the top. So for any owners of companies or, or supervisors, like you really have to lead by example. I love that saying. Yeah. Thank you very much, Thank Val. Thank you, Really guys. appreciate you being here. And please reach out to her, guys. And Carlito, oh. get us out of here. So I hope you everyone enjoyed this one And Val, thank you very much again For sharing all that information We learned a few things And everybody, please reach out to her And don't forget to send me the photos So we can do a little bit of something on Instagram While everybody's in quarantine The 416 T.O. baby (laughs) 